Welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World's weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news. I am Heidi McDonald, the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And remember, you can find us on all social media pretty much at, at PW Comics World, and you can subscribe to us on all your most popular podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify. And as always, don't be shy in letting us know what you think of our podcast. So this week, I am joined by Box Brown, Brian, quote, Box, unquote, Brown, as he's known to some. Welcome, Box. Hi, how are you? Thanks I'm good. You. I'm good. Well, welcome back. I, I know we've had you on before with uh, short interviews, but um, Box is the guy who's done it all in his cartooning career from indie comics. He has like four or five graphic novels out from first, second, and uh, right now he has a comic legalization nation running on Comic Kingdom and even in a couple of newspapers uh, or one newspaper. But uh, anyway, he does so many different things. Uh, and but I know on on your social media, you've been talking a little bit recently about pivoting in your career. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit. But just, you know, like I said, you've done it all. And just like. Talk about where you've been and, and where you think we're at, because it is. Don't you think disruption is, you know, even disruptions being disrupted now? Yeah, um, things are changing, I guess. And I feel like uh, I, <clears throat> I don't know. I had kind of like a, 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 a breakdown, called a breakdown or an epiphany, <laughs> um, where I just was thinking about comics and and. Um, and, you know, working gig to gig and all these different things and uh, thinking about, you know, how else can I what else can I do that's more steady, that is related in some way. Um, and, uh, you know, so I've been I actually uh, over the last month have done a lot of different freelance gigs, um, freelance illustration and all kinds of commissions and things like that. And um, I have to say that's actually been very, uh, besides the fact that, you know, I needed need uh, the money and things like mm-hmm. that. But uh, it's been um, good to do all, all these different things. I, I think I was feeling before this, uh, like, stagnated in, in my artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been, it's good to do different things where people are having you draw something else. That you're right. not thinking of, you know, um, and right. uh, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's like that feeling at first when you when you realize you have to draw a car uh, <laughs> for the first time. Right. Um, so I love drawing cars now. Like but when I first um, first got started, it was very challenging. And uh, but, you know, it's it, it's something you need to do. And it, it's it's fun and, and interesting to do challenging work. Well, interesting. Um, interestingly enough, even before automobiles, uh, you know, people had to draw horses, and that's another really hard thing yeah. to draw. <laughs> also, bicycles. Bicycles right. aren't hard. Yeah, <laughs> all the conveyances. Right, right. Well, you know, I just wanted just to give some people some idea of your bibliography here. Um, you know, you've been working with First Second for quite a while, and you know, the books. I think it started with your Andre the Giant book, which came out ten years ago, and yeah, that. that. Right. And, and that, under the giant life and legend, that was even like, I would have to say one of the first kind of behind the scenes biography 
like like wrestling was getting just kind of a lot more attention at that point. And then your book mm-hmm. was one of the first to really do that. Um, you had a book on Tetris, Tetris, the games people play. Yeah. Uh, you had, uh, is this guy for real? The unbelievable Andy Kaufman, another one of my favorites. Cannabis, the illegalization of weed in America. Uh, and then you did a fiction book, Child Star, which, mm-hmm. um, I loved that book. Uh, and uh, then you illustrated Accidental Czar, The Lies and Life of Life and Lies of Vladimir Putin. That just came out in 22. Pretty timely. Um, very mm-hmm. interesting book written with Andreas Weiss, a, a Putin expert. Uh, yes. And then most recently was The He-Man Effect, How American Toy Makers Sold You Your Childhood. Yeah. So, so to anyone looking at this, it's like, damn, this guy knows so much. And he's done so many of these really great nonfiction comics, right? How yeah. Do- how did you get into that? Um, you know, uh, I, I think, I, I think I, when I started making comics, everybody was making, um, autobiographical comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, a lot of my early work was autobiographical and, you know, it seemed normal. It seemed <laughs> like the, the, the thing to me to get, to pivot from that to other people's stories, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'm just drawn to nonfiction. Like I'm a documentary, uh, big fan of documentaries. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I had started working on this Andre the Giant book. Um, and, you know, uh, it ended up selling really well. I had, it was my biggest hit. Like I, I, um, haven't reached that level since that came out. Right. Uh, it was a New York Times bestseller. In fact, it was a New York Times bestseller. Um, and, uh, and it just went from there, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tetris came out right after that. That was nominated for two Eisner Awards. And I went to the Eisners that year. I did not win. Um, but then, you know, the following year, two years later, the, the Andy Kaufman book, Is This Guy For Real, um, actually won the Eisner for best nonfiction work or whatever. Mm-hmm. Best reality-based work, yeah. Best reality-based work. Um yeah, and then, you know, it just kept going from there. Um, and then the Putin book I, was took a really long time. That was like a um, – that happened during the pandemic when I was working on that. And so the work slowed down a lot because of just my kids were home all the time. Right. And, um, you know, my, me and my wife were both trying to work like half days and spend the other half watching our kids. Um and so that slowed down a lot and there was a long editorial process. I actually wrote, um, the He-Man effect and completed it completely before, uh, the Putin book came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I even started the Putin book actually. And then they for a second wanted to put out the Putin book first. Um, and then, so that's how that worked out. So I, I finished the Putin book. We did editorial for like a year and a half probably. Mm. And then, um, you know, waited for that to come out. And then six months later, the He-Man book, uh, He-Man Effect came out finally. Mm-hmm. And, um, but so I, so that came out last year, you know, only mm-hmm. like six months ago, but I had been done with it for, for three or four years. Mm, wow. Okay. So, yeah. so, um, but I, I mean, I guess the, my point is, well, I mean, I was looking at your Facebook page this morning and, and you, you, you even have a photo. You opened up a box. You got an award. So a junior literary library guild gold standard selection award presented to the He-Man effect. So yeah. 
you know, I mean, you can't. You've had a lot of acclaim and success, right? To, I know. To, I, I look at it sometimes, and I'm like, "What more could I have ever? What more <laughs> could I ever ask for?" I mean, yeah. really. I mean, I, you know, I, I I feel like I've done it all, but I'm I'm not dead yet, though. Is mm-hmm. the thing. Well, yeah, you're <laughs> so, young, also, but yeah. but yeah. I mean, I I guess um I guess it's just I. I I, yeah, like I said, and yet here you are contemplating a career change or looking at doing different things. And I mean, I'll say this. That's a lot of work, too. I mean, it's a 10 yeah. year span. I mentioned about six graphic novels, six or seven full on graphic novels. And, yeah. you know, we hear so much about how um, advances aren't enough because it takes two years. I mean, you were churning this out. I mean, yeah. um, you were yeah. good, good rate of speed. Yeah, you know, it's like that's how I felt like I had to get it done to make it all work out financially, you know, um, to to make sure that by the end of me working on the book, I wasn't on borrowed time, you know. Right. Um, um, like right now, I'm working on a on a, a fiction book, but you know, I spent the advance completely, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I'm on borrowed time for that. Right. Luckily, luckily, the publisher is not a um, forcing me to rush through this one and I can do it at my own pace. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it, it's difficult to maintain it as like a real career. You know, I, I talked to other people my age, I'm 40, I'm going to be 44 this year. Um, and I talked to, um, people I went to high school and college with and I'm like, Tim, I am, I am, my career is like not real. <laughs> it feels fake. Um, um, but, you know, so I, I kind of uh, had a little bit of a breakdown. Uh, I had a mental health breakdown related to my medication mm, um, okay. over the over uh, Christmas. And um, part of it was I could I couldn't I kept thinking about my career over and over again and where I was with it. And, you know, I had this feeling like it might be over winding down. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I talked to a lot of other cartoonists. Uh, about this over the last month and 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 we uh, pretty much i think agree that everybody feels like their career is over all the time <laughs> um uh certainly um this one cartoonist steven wiseman describes his career like um this there's this old popeye cartoon where um olive oil is sleepwalking mm-hmm. and she's sleepwalking through a building uh like skyscraper building site and so she keeps walking, sleepwalking on these giant metal girders, and she's like about to fall off, and then another girder comes and and, and she keeps <laughs> right, walking. right, right, right. You know, and yeah. uh, Steve Wiseman is like, "That's my career. That's how it is. I'm, just, <laughs> I, I'm about to fall off, about to fall to my death, and then something comes along." Uh, my, you um, know, Steve, Stephen Wiseman. I haven't heard that name in a while, and I love his work. Oh, he's so great. He's oh, really he's so great. Cartoonist. He's so talented. Yeah. And yet, well, you know, let's back up a little bit because I think what's, I, you know, so the beat is 20 years old this year, right? I've been doing mm-hmm. this daily. Wow. It's actually even a little bit older, but as a daily blog, it's 20 years old come June. So yeah, I've been doing it every day pretty much for 20 years and that's mind boggling. Um, and so I'm also, you know, thinking, you know, if I do this every day for 20 years, I, I've, I get my flower, so I don't need to prove anything else. So, um, but when I started, 
the graphic novel boom. I mean, you know, a book like like Child Star coming out from you know a major publisher like First Second Macmillan was just a you know a twinkle in somebody's eye at that point, sure. right? And and these past 20 years have really seen the whole graphic novel uh, segment of publishing grow and blossom. And, of course, you know, the kids, the kids and manga that are the huge sellers. But, you know, they're like, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, Andre the Giant was a hit. It was definitely a hit book. And and, you know, people talked about it, got a lot of press and everything. But you I, I, I guess what fascinated me about this whole period was seeing people like you who came from a super indie background, you know, setting up yeah. at SPX and, um, you know, kind of being discovered and doing work that was, you know, more mainstream, but yet with that indie sensibility. And I mean, how did you make the transition? Um, you know, I think, uh, at first I like didn't really know what I was doing at all and, and kind of, um, you know, Andre the Giant, the, the first book was, um, in my mind, it was kind of just like a, a series of mini comics. It was, mm-hmm. it was, um, you know, all these different scenes from Andre the Giant's life just kind of put in, um, chronological order. Right. Um, when I started working on Tetris, my second book, I had much different, um, I started out differently where I was, I was being more like an architect of how this book was going to go. And, uh, rather than just like starting from the beginning and, and kind of making it up as I go along. Um, and you know, it just became, you know, I, I would be working on this and being like, what I, there's no template for this. You know, I, I don't really, I'm just kind of doing my own thing here and hoping for the best. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, sales uh, haven't completely kept up with Andre the Giant. You know, there's some harsh realities there um, where some of the books have gone out of print and things like that. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And um, and so now uh, I've been it's been a few years since I've worked on a book for first second um, and I'm still trying to find the perfect pitch for them. Well, um, you know, I have a question. Sure. Do you have an agent? I do have an agent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I yeah. was I was assuming you had to have an agent too. So I did it at first, though. So mm-hmm. I, when I got started, I didn't have an agent mm-hmm. for the first like two or three books. Maybe I don't I don't know if I had an agent. I um because I had just worked directly with first second mm-hmm. um, right. when I got started, but now I have an agent. Right. Right. Um, and, and I mean, that in itself is interesting. I mean, I know for a second launch, I mean, Mark Siegel has been on the podcast many times. Um, and, you know, obviously the folks there, I mean, Gina Gagliano got her start there and, and Calista Brell. And I mean, you know, I mean, it's not surprising. I, you know, that's part of the evolution. Like even 10 years ago, you could do a book without an agent for a publisher like for a second because they were hep to it. But now, it's like I, I feel like, first off, there's a lot of competition and, you know, some crazy advances have been handed out, uh, mostly in the children's sphere. But, um, mm. uh, you know, it's become a lot, a lot more formalized, I guess, or business, yeah, no, business, definitely. businessified. I don't know what the word yes, is. Okay. For sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, you know, it's, it's like pitching any other book to, uh, to a big publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, I had a I had a book I was pitching 
for that's half of last year. And I thought it was a pretty going to be something pretty big. Um, but you know, um, it didn't, uh, never got picked up. So that kind of like got that news, like kind of in the beginning of January, uh, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it kind of turned my world upside down because I was like mm-hmm. pretty sure that it was going to go, you know? Right. And I try not to do, I try not to do that. You know, I try not mm-hmm. to get my hopes up too high or right. anything like that. But, right. uh, but, uh, you know, so that got turned down. So then I, you find yourself, you know, the, the whole, comics career is kind of rickety you know it's um you know you're putting together a lot of different things to like build this little platform that you're standing on Uh and uh one one thing goes wrong it kind of jolts you and Uh it feels like it could crumble um at any moment so now i'm i'm doing a lot of different things now and and trying a lot of all different stuff kind of trying to work outside of my comfort zone right um Right. For sure. Uh, and just kind of hoping for the best again. Yeah. Um, well, it, but it was interesting when I when I talked about it, how many cartoonists wrote to me. Well, I'm not going to say their names, but they course, are of course. cartoonists that I that in my mind were like already enormous successes and didn't didn't have any didn't have these problems any anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them wrote to me and said they're in the same boat where, um, you know, cartooning doesn't always pay the bills. You know, there's always, you need, you need they're, they're looking for something else to do. I know some cartoonists that went into, um, graphic recording, mm-hmm. um, which is a, uh, a, a weird kind of thing where you're taking visual notes for like business meetings. Sure. I've heard of uh, this. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I have a, one friend's doing really well, doing yeah. really, really well at it. Well, well, that can be very lucrative. You can actually get paid a lot of money to sit there and, you know, doodle about this, this meeting. So, um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Interesting. Anything it's, else? Or, um, you know, a lot of different, um, illustration gigs mm. and things like that. Um, and, you know, commissions and doing some comics that I never thought I'd be doing. Mm. Um, uh, you know, some for, I, I just don't, I don't want to say exactly what they're No, 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 no. Yeah, you know, it's just stuff that I, I, I never thought I would be able to work on, but now I am. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's this, you're constantly looking for new work. Right. Uh, you have to bring in new work all the time. Right. And so, you know, I'm always like, I'm available. I'm available. Yeah. yeah. I can do this. You know, well, um, I mean, Oh, go on. Sorry. Sorry go no, no, no. You go I was on. Say I started doing uh, doing a little bit of stuff in the cannabis industry because uh, my, I have my comic strip, Legalization Nation, which is about cannabis. I got to know a lot of people uh, in cannabis that are that need mm-hmm. work, um, packaging design and, and promotion and all kinds of things like that. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to spread out. A little bit, but you know, I could always use more. Um, well, I mean, it, listen, if you were gonna hit your, you know, rocket to a star, I can't imagine anything more than than weed right now. I mean, I don't uh, know how. Certainly, how... <laughs> there's certainly a lot of a lot of uh, activity in the space, <laughs> right? Blowing up pretty big. Yeah. Now yeah. I don't know how it is in Philly, but here in New York City, it's like every block has a has a pot shop. Now. Oh yes, I, I was there. Not that long, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, and um, 
Yeah, and I read that there. They say that there's an estimated 1,500 uh, illegal cannabis yeah. stores mm-hmm. in New York City. There's actually only 30 legal ones, so you're 50 times more likely to walk into <laughs> a illegal shop. Yeah, well, I, you know, in, so in some ways, it, it you know, it gladdens my heart as as a longtime New Yorker to see this kind of you know pirate can do self self starter entrepreneur spirit. You know, a little bit outlaw, a little bit pirate, which is really something a little bit punk. That's something that that New York City is founded on. But I, you know, when my favorite sandwich shop turned into a, you know, pot shop, I was like, enough already. I mean, how can they possibly (laughs) all stay in business? I mean, there's literally across the street. It's crazy. I mean, who knew that there was this? I mean, I guess it makes sense. It's New York City. Um, and, and there's so many, it's so novel right now. I think mm. like the tourists come in and you see this and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, you're, you're or, holy cow, you go right for it. Yeah. Um, uh, but it is crazy. I've, you know, I've been out there talking to people about it and there's people that are definitely like, uh, growing in other states and they're mm. sending it all to New York <laughs> because there's so many customers here. <laughs> I'm unsurprised. Um, yeah. Do you have any sense of though? Is it sustainable? I mean, is a is a head shop on every block sustainable? I mean, I think that they're, they're gonna. I mean, the fact that they're illegal and they're always, uh, you know, they, they people want to shut them down. But I, I think that you know you're gonna see competition. You know, mm-hmm. uh, at, at some point. You know, some the places that aren't selling great weed or aren't don't have great prices or whatever are gonna or don't have a great location, whatever it is, uh, are gonna you know go out of business. And the ones that that you know are, are delivering what customers want are going to stay in business. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, like that's capitalism, right? Yeah, like, that's right. Ideally, what you want you want them to compete. And you know, and, and right now there's 1,500. Maybe there's not. Uh, maybe there's not enough business for all of them and some of them will go out of business, but it certainly seems like everybody's doing great. Mm. Mm. Well, I just don't want every single deli to be a pot store. I gotta be honest because. Well, I mean, they could be both, couldn't they? They can, but, um, like, you know, to me, you know, a deli, you can get a, a an egg sandwich. Right. Sure. And at a pot store, you can't. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's 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 almost like um like like, uh, you know, we could do a whole podcast about this. Maybe we should. Sure. But, but uh, <laughs> you know, I want to get you know, I want to get back to Legalization Nation and talk about that, which is your current project that's coming out. But I want to go back in time just a little bit before we do, mm-hmm. because. You, you know, again, when I was looking, you know, at your even just your Wikipedia page, right? And, uh, you know, you won a Zarek grant, which was like this, you know, indie comics kind of, you know, standard. Um, and then uh, it says here in 2011, Brown started a Kickstarter fundraiser to create a new publisher called Retrofit Comics. And yeah. I'm like, was Kickstarter around in 2011? Wow. I know. Imagine that. I, I think yeah. you were one of the first people to do it, though, in comics, weren't you? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it was I, well, Spike new. was the first one. Right. I remember. But I and I followed her lead. I was like, wow, right. Spike. I was like, wow, she's really killing it. So I mean, I want to try this thing too. Right. 
and I actually just did a Kickstarter um, mm-hmm. in uh, October, I think, mm-hmm. um, to to publish a collection of Legalization Nation, right, which right. was which was successful. But um, also, you know, the whole publishing comics thing is is not easy, and, and I had kind of forgotten, right? right. So I had been doing <laughs> retrofit for uh, I did retrofit comics for a bunch of years, and um, you know, uh, I, I think I had forgotten that you know y- you don't just get the money and then and then the books go out. They actually you have to get them printed and then they come to you. And then you have to get them out. And it's so many books like in in March, I'm going to get one hundred and sixteen boxes of books delivered to my house. Oh, and, snap. Uh, yeah. So I'm not sure exactly where I'm going to keep them all. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm making room in my house right now to to, you know, have all these books here. <laughs> Well, you and know, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about it. Well, sure. in the olden days, they had a barn raisin. Now they just have a Kickstarter mailing, you know, so you got to just yeah. get all your friends together and hoot nanny, you know, it will be it will be like Bucket Brigade bringing all these boxes in here. Right. and then getting them back out, too. I mean, because it's being distributed, uh, it'll, you know, it was in uh, in Diamond and stuff like that. So. I'm going to have to send a, a ton of books. You know, there's right. only 20 books in a box. Um, so did you consider working with a fulfillment house for this or did I that did, not occur to you? I did, but then I just decided, Hey, I can do this myself, which was yeah. stupid. <laughs> and now it's kind of, and now it's kind of too late because the books have been yeah. shipped and I'm just right. waiting for them. So, right. Um, yeah. Well, lessons learned. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, you, you know, retrofit. I want to go. I I do just want to. We have to talk about retrofit because you know you put out so many great books and you know I again I'm fascinated by this evolution of because one of the things that retrofit was founded under was that you were going to do periodical comics, indie comics, right? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. mean, in 2011, uh, we see. I mean, that's when New 52 came out. So the periodical comic you know, that the big two was doing in comic shops got a big boost. And, you know, this idea of the periodical was such a, I think it was a very fun idea that a lot of us really thought was cool. And, you know, you didn't do them necessarily comic book size. Some of them were in that kind of square size that I think of as mm-hmm. indie comic size. But, but I mean, sure. yeah, how was, how was the experience of doing retrofit? You put out some great work. It was amazing to work with all the different artists and be able to edit all that stuff and, um, you know, get them out into the world was exciting for sure. But it was also a lot, a lot of work. And I, and, and I couldn't have done it without the help of uh, Jared, Jared Smith at Big Planet Comics, mm-hmm. who, you know, helped me a lot with the logistics of all this stuff and did all the shipping and all that stuff. I mean, I was like kind of towards the end, just just the editor and and, and um and uh you know Jared handled a lot of the the stuff that I was not good at like paying bills and all that mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. um and uh you know uh it, i ended up we we probably could have kept going and i ended up uh shutting it down because i was like i had just had my first kid and uh i was like i can't i can't do both of these things anymore Um, and so, uh, so that's why we ended it, um, because it was just so much. And then I I have to say, um, 
having kids has been um, a shock to the system for sure. <laughs> um, and not, you know, yeah, not you got to you got to just do a comic called things that surprised me in life. <laughs> um, it, it's it, it's hard, man. I mean, it's and it's definitely taken a toll on me trying to be the breadwinner for all this making comics. And I, and I think to myself sometimes that this is like the dumbest career. I mean, is it, a, is it even a career making comics? Like, is it just me messing around? I go through these periods of time where I get, I lose confidence in myself. Um, and then sometimes I feel great about it. Like I can't, I can't look back on everything that I've done. And I, I how could I ever complain? You know, I've been to, you know, all these different countries, you know, England and uh, been to France. I've been to, uh, you know, Angoulême. Uh, you know, I've won right. Ignatz Awards and Eisner Awards and been in all, every kind of, got every kind of press I could imagine for all these different books. But right. it's still like such a struggle. It's still, right. you know, there's still no guarantees. Yeah. And well, I mean, I do, I do just, you know, I want to call out, like, there is still a, a storefront for retrofit. So you can still order some of these books, right? And you have, yeah, worked, definitely. yeah. So it's, it's like, if you just do retrofit, R-E-T-R-O-F-I-T, um, dot store envy dot com. Um, but I mean, you have books by Warren Craighead, Laura Lannis, um, Yumi Sakagawa, Summer Pierre, Becca Tobin, um, Carl Stevens, William Cardini, uh, Yuichi Yokoyama. I mean, the list goes on and on. Sophie Yenow, um, uh, Eleanor Davis, that book is sold out. Uh, is a, Mary Ooh. Naomi, Anya Davidson, Luke Howard, Leela Corman, James Katalka. I mean, you name it, you publish them, really. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it was all the people that I, that I like, you know, it was all just people that I'm, fans of uh, people that I was a fan of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and, I, uh, oh, go on. I was going to say, it was just, that was like the best part of it for me yeah. is getting to work with the, the cartoonists. Well, you, you, you've worked with, I mean, an incredible, incredible lineup of people. I mean, so many of the ones I've mentioned are, I mean, you know, it's, I, I, I think even this Stephen Weissman, I'm looking at page two, Kate Leth, um, Laura Netzger, it goes on and on. Our, uh, uh, Olivier Schrauen, although that one is sold out. Um, you know, it does go back to just, I mean, I love indie comics. These are my favorite kind of comics. And this is the really kind of the only comic I read these days is indie comics, although I don't read as many as I should. And, you know, there's people like, I mean, you know, Jillian Tamaki. And, you know, she's kind of gone from somebody. I mean, obviously she was doing illustrations for the New York Times and sure. so on. But, I, I still think she had like the indie spirit and I mean there are certain sure. people from the world of SPX. Kate Beaton. Kate Beaton. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean Raina, you know, Raina just yeah. had that that big profile in the Atlantic and you know, she was Atlantic, doing mini comics yeah. when we met her. Yeah, you know? I, I definitely have some for mini comics. Uh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and, and I mean, it's just a, a wonderful, vibrant, compelling, you know, imaginative, wonderful world of just, you know, free creativity. And, you know, with, uh, and, you know, I guess to quote Fight Club, which everyone's doing these days, but, you know, it's after you've lost everything is when you're free to do anything. It's like, you know, when there's no money in it, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's it's just, 
you know, I do still see people. I mean, there's a whole new bunch of cartoonists here in New York, you know, way out in Brooklyn, out in Bushwick, and they got their little cooperative and they're doing meetings, they're doing comics and, you know, they're young. And, um, you know, it begins anew. I, I, I say it's like indie music, you know, like you get together, Ooh. you put out your single. Now I guess you put it on Spotify and maybe maybe you quit and then you, you, you know, get married and have a kid. And but somebody somewhere heard that song and it touched them forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's sad. though. I mean, like, I don't want to quit. I don't want to stop making comics at I, all. I don't think you're you know, going to. I honestly, I don't think you're going to. But anyway. Um, I but it's it's just like so tough to, um, make a living, mm. and um and uh even when you do even if you do get like a a decent a decent advance, let's say um you compare that to, you know what what you'd make as at like a starting level salary at some company and um <laughs> don't do it <laughs> you know um you know uh I, I had a friend a cartoonist friend who was telling me he was talking to one of his friends about how much he made that year or whatever and the guy's like you could you'd probably make more working at the grocery store with me <laughs> and um and he was like yeah but you know that's not not as fun which is true yeah um, which is true, but you know, um, sometimes there's these harsh realities in life. Uh, I, I always, you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess to, you know, to bring it back to the indie music, um, comparison, it's like, you know, if you're young, you want to be in a band and, you know, you're working at the grocery store. I mean, I, well, I don't know what Zennials do because the job, you know, market is so different now. Um, compared to when I was growing up, because I'm so old. But um, you know, like when you get into a band, yeah, you want to be famous, but you also just want to do it in the moment. You know, you want to just mm-hmm. just make have that feeling and make that sound and, and you know connect with some people. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I guess you were at SPX last year, and the spirit is still strong. You know, the community yeah. of indie comics is 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 a wonderful thing. Yeah, and there's a lot of young people still making comics for sure, um, you know. But I, I, I think sometimes I'm like, on my low, in my lowest times, I think, you know, it was really stupid to follow my dream. <laughs> oh <laughs> even though it, it, no! Even though it it it, it 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 was amazing for for forever, but you know, and I, I'd probably be m- even more depressed if I didn't do it. But it's just in America, they don't want you to be an artist. You know, it's it's they want you to be an artist as long as it fits into some sort of corporate structure. Well, yeah. And I feel like they want you to be an influencer now, you know. Yeah. And I I mean, there's, you know, the media is in absolute Armageddon Ragnarok right now. Right. And, Mm. um, you know, and I, I. I mean, the beat's actually doing fine. We're doing better than we did last year in some ways, you know, at least financially, which is crazy. But, you know, uh, I'm the only one, apparently. And, um, uh, you know, but I, I mean, it's like there's just, you know, Google AI is going to destroy um, 
you know, all journalism apparently. And I'm just like, where are people going to get all their information? Is it just going to be influencers on TikTok? Because, you know, I don't want to listen to Logan Paul. I'm not going to turn to him. Yeah. <laughs> He's, you know, um, or, you know, I mean, Mr. Beast is great, but I, he not, no, that's not it, you know? Um, yeah. so, so yeah, it's, it's strange. It's strange. Um, yeah, you know, it's just keep working and hope for the best. Yeah, that's all you can do. And it's just, you know, enjoy each day. But let's talk about Legalization Nation because that is your current project that is ongoing. And um, so it is a comic strip. What's it about? Where can we find it? What's so um, it's about uh, it's a nonfiction comic strip that is about the legalization of cannabis, mm-hmm. which is um, a very murky world that is kind of um you know we think everything is just like it's illegal and then it's legal and then that's it but there's just a ton and ton and tons and tons of growing pains um going on like as we talked about the the giant surge of right uh unlicensed shops in new york and the other things going on you know uh and where it's just like a um corporate takeover of cannabis rather than a, a legalization of it. Um, and so I started the comic strip because I was following all of this news and getting really frustrated about it and not seeing any kind of coverage of it in the way that I wanted there to be. And, um, you know, I would talk about it on Twitter and stuff and, and, and write about it, but no one seems to be listening to me. And um, I thought, you know, there's, I know how to do one thing and that's make comics. And if I can contribute to the discussion in some way, that's the best way to do it. And so that's why I started the strip. It was also like after uh, my book, Cannabis, the Illegalization of Weed in America came out. And that's about like the history of cannabis. And I very much wanted to talk about the current day situation of what's going on, but it moves so rapidly that if I had made it into a book, it would be completely outdated by the time it came out. Right. Um, so the strip is my way of being a witness to all the things that is going on and talking about it in real time um, to stay current, basically. Right. Well, you can find this on Comics Kingdom, which is yes. – uh, is that – uh, King Features, right? Yes, King King Features. Yes. Um, and it's actually in print, too, as well. Yes, uh, it is in the Tucson Weekly mm-hmm. uh, well, every week, which is my little alternative comics uh, dream to be in an alt weekly. <laughs> uh, it also, uh, you know, it'll, a collection of the first three years, uh, I kickstarted it and will be out and shipping in, uh, in March and April. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. As we mentioned earlier. So yes. from your house, direct from Box's house to your hands. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, and it is uh, I mean, I'm looking at the last strip you did just came out last Wednesday and um, it actually is exactly what we're talking about. It's about the, uh, the the proliferation of pot stores here in New York City. So um, yeah. so that's cool. Now, um all right, I'm just going to ask you a rude question, but it, you know, because yeah. I think part of the reason I wanted to do this this interview was a little educational for people, you know, mm-hmm. and just just I mean, do, do you make money from the strip? Uh, the strip makes a little bit of money from from King Features and from my Patreon, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yes. Another another revenue stream call. Her yeah. Um, but it's not uh, a lot of money. It's right. really kind of like a, a, a loss leader, though, because mm-hmm. um, I've been able to get a lot of different jobs in the uh, illustration gigs and things like that in right. the in uh, the cannabis world. Sure. And I've gotten to know a lot of people in that industry. Right. Right. So it's so it's it's kind of the visibility thing in a way. Definitely. It uh, is. Definitely. It's your way of being an influencer. Yeah, it's my way of yeah having something to show every week, and um, it's only weekly. You know, mm-hmm. there was a period of time where, um, you know, I felt like I needed to make. I would have if I had more time, I would be able, or if it made more money, maybe I could do it every day. Mm-hmm. And there'd always be something to talk about. <laughs> right. Um, but for now, it's weekly. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to sit down and read, read this strip afterwards because I'm sure I will learn a lot. As a non-pot smoker, by the way, I should say that, um, I am a non-customer except for CBD gummies to go to sleep. But even those, well, like I said, we could do a whole different podcast about sure. this. Sure. Yeah. So, I think it's, it's a, <laughs> it's a common strip that, that I think people that don't use cannabis would still be, if well, you have any kind of vague interest. I think right. Well, it's part of life. You know, it's part yeah. of life. And that's and I'm fine with that, you know. And um, just like there are bars in New York, there's, you know, everywhere you go is the smell of cannabis. And I'm absolutely fine with that. So, yeah. Um, yeah so, all right. So, Box, this is the part at the end of the, the podcast. Uh, it's always like, you know, Heidi gives her advice for you, her career advice for you. And why don't you do another book about wrestling? Oh, I would love to do another book about wrestling. Oh, my God. Um, You know, there's only so many stories out there. You know, the Iron Claw that came out, the movie that came out this year, would have been a good book, I think. Oh, I Um, mean, I've been obsessed with the story of the Von Erich brothers, uh, which for people who don't know, is basically this wrestling family where they had like seven sons and like, like six of them died or five of them died early. There were so many who died. They literally couldn't fit them all into the movie. Yeah. There, they kept the guy out of it. Like, like, there was like a guy that was, that died that wasn't even, right. had no part in the movie. Right. I mean, it's mind boggling. It's so mind boggling, but yeah, I mean, dark side of the ring. And like I said, I do think when Andre the giant came out is really when a lot of the kayfabe mysteries of wrestling were being kind of peeled back a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and now we have so many podcasts and social media and, you know, Dark Side of the Ring and documentaries and stuff. And um, But there's still so many stories that that would make great comics. Yeah. Well, I'd love to do wrestling again. If anybody's listening and wants to <laughs> publish a wrestling comic, please come to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, are you going to WrestleMania? It's going to be in it, Philly. It, it is in Philly. It's in my hometown. Um, I don't know if I have tickets. Uh, yet, or if I'm going to get tickets, but I'm definitely involved in some of the um, the indie shows that are going on. I started doing uh, ring announcing, and oh, so wow. I actually, yeah, if you look up uh, Labor of Love Wrestling, um, we are doing a couple shows in uh, April, and I'll be ring announcing. Oh well, I'm thinking of uh, I might I might see you there because you know it'd be, it being so close to home I might I'm I might like I said I also don't know if I have tickets uh, but um it you know it, it's it's also well we don't want to turn this into a wrestling podcast let's just say it's going to be quite something apparently yeah for sure I definitely <laughs> think so well box listen I I on just c- complete honesty. 
like I said, when I was uh, researching you for this podcast, I was just like, wow, this guy's done everything. You know, like like Andy Kaufman, like, who does he think he is? He's done everything. Um, and uh, I do know also just from having been an editor and working in comics so long, it's uh, artists are constantly um, having self-doubts and all of that. And, you know, maybe you were just burnt out. Sounds like the, the work sounds like the the work pace you had was just really, really brutal. And maybe you got a little burnt out on it. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah. So I guess my only thing is I am sure we're going to see you again and doing more really cool things. And um, yeah, well, everyone, well, we all wish you luck box and we'll see you, you know, definitely you can still order uh, the collected edition of legalization nation uh, on there uh, on uh, where can we order it? Pre-order it. Oh, if you just go to boxbrand.com, you can find my store there and it has a, Legalization Nation and a couple other books you can uh, you can order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, again, if you have any interest in any of the topics that Box has written about, you know, whether it's Tetris or uh, cannabis, uh, check out his books. They're they're really informative, and uh, you'll learn you'll learn a lot. So, well, Box, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for and, having me. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, good luck. We will see you out there because there will be more to come.